Anyone got anything uh, pressing? Do you have your cocktail in hand? Oh, hell yeah. I do. I have a, uh, a vanilla rum and Coke Zero cocktail. Thank you very much. Then let's roll, baby. Hell yeah. everybody, welcome to ExoSquad Girls, the ExoSquadcast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Ferentino. I like the pause, you got it. Uh, we're going to talk about episode 10 of season 1, Abandoned. So if, again, like I said, if you have abandonment issues, this is not the episode for you, and it's going to get really awkward going forward. Um, yeah. Uh, welcome to Serial. This is the... We're going to discuss where, whether Phaeton actually did it or didn't do it. On this Martian life... <laughs> we have <laughs> I held for laughter. Um, <laughs> three stories about three stories about exosquads that just are a little off. On this episode <laughs> of Exosquad Goals, a story about betrayal in three acts. In the first act, Marsala and Nara go through a canyon to Mars. Second act, we look at Takagi and Wolf Bronski, their relationship going forward and where they've been. And the third act, Shiva, Draconis, and Typhonis, a love triangle. Or rhombus, you decide. Next on this Exosquaggle's life, that went on way too long. <laughs> that was really <laughs> false. That but, went on the exact right amount yeah, of time. Yeah, you've, you've been thinking about that. You have to get that. Out. Yeah, man, I'm no, into I, it. That's one of my like go-to uh, impressions is Ira Glass just talking about stuff. Especially at my job, I had to once look for music that sounded like This American Life. So I listened to a lot of things like you know, so. As Typhonus went down the alleyway, he thought about this. And you're like, they use the same underscore for all that stuff, but it's ah, so good. So good. But anyway, uh, with this episode, we actually kind of start a new arc in the series, it feels like. Because basically we've moved past their them being ironically abandoned on Mars, or Venus, I should say. And now we're more into how the war is going to go from here on out. And sort of like... The real It's like a zombie movie where the real strife is not necessarily the external uh, threats, but the things that they all have to deal with. So uh, what did you guys think of this one? Uh, this one rules. It really <laughs> kicks ass. Um, yeah. Uh, this, is, this is one of those ones where like not a lot happens necessarily, but a lot happens. If that, that probably doesn't make any sense, but it just seems like there's not a lot plot-wise that happens, but what does happen is seemingly internal and significant yeah Yeah. there's definitely like a lot of uh you know there's like some there are two major strokes of like i guess plot advancement that go on and there's like a lot of like little filler stuff but it really shows the characters sort of how they've come together and the dynamics like um for example you know we started the show bronski and takagi were kind of like you know he's like oh the freaking new guy and now this episode, they make a joke about how they're like the dynamic duo. Now this is all top secret. No one outside this room is to know. If we... When we pull off this raid, it'll give a boost to Terrans everywhere. But if something should go wrong, it would devastate morale. Hey, what can go wrong when you've got Takagi and Bronski, the dynamic duo? You know, it's like, it's cool seeing them actually kind of grow into those roles and, you know, the stuff that they've been putting out there. You know, they assume yet the audience is actually picking up, you know? Yeah, totally. This is also great because it's, it's the first episode where we get a lot of Becky Weston time. Like, oh yeah, yeah. She's like, she has like most of the dialogue in this, and it's awesome. Every every line she drops is like fire. Well, so <laughs> spinning fire. Um, and Deleon is putting the moves on. 
pretty yeah, yeah freaking a. pretty definitely pretty hard the guy's like a killer of a lover he just does not stop yeah someone's going to hr after he leaves there that'll do it you were putting too much torque on it ah maggie gentleize the hand of woman not if you keep feeding me lines like that but i say that to all the officers to get into like the the kind of the bigger moves of the episode it begins with Captain, everyone's favorite captain Marcus. <laughs> who is uh, stirring up trouble with uh, his his buddy Captain uh, Fugelhorn or uh, Captain Furlong? That guy's great. <laughs> yeah, Edward Furlong is so good in this show. Who are they're very unhappy with Winfield, and uh, Furlong is even more unhappy because he just calls him calls him out, calls him a coward. And Marcus is like, I hate him, but he's not a coward. He's a warrior. If I were in command, we'd spend less time making the fleet pretty and more time making it fight. Patience, Captain Furlong. Come on, Marcus. You know as well as I do that Winfield doesn't have the stomach for a fight. No, Captain Furlong. I know that Admiral Winfield is spending more time refitting the fleet than I find absolutely necessary. Remember, you can get away with questioning a superior's decisions, but never his courage. Yeah, Marcus, Marcus shows, like... This is an interesting moment because Marcus is like, you can challenge him, you can challenge a man's decision, but you cannot challenge his courage. Like he's, he's not as like he's not as bad as Furlong, and like, but this is a this is an example right where like it being a kids' cartoon show uh, drink is like not is like is limiting because like there there is totally like a long interesting story about like that feeling. But then Mark Woodfield's like, no, we're not going to attack yet. And Marcus is like, I was wrong. We need to rebel. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, that's like that whole like little uh, monologue he gives is maybe the most Southern gentleman fighter thing that he's ever said in the show. And that's saying a lot. Yeah, it's true. It's like, a, you know, at the Winfield charged on the field of Appomattox. Do you think generally was descended from a ape? Because I do not. <laughs> you might be, sir, but I am not. Gettysburg, anyone? <laughs> the Battle Gettysburg. of the Scopes Nebula. Um, yeah. Jeff Daniels as a plucky <laughs> Union soldier. Anyway, so... A plucky so exotrooper, yeah. Uh, calls up JT and has a special mission for him, which is to go destroy a weapons facility on Mars. And Maggie can't go and Takagi can't go because they're performing high-profile work. And this mission is top secret. And totally real. Not made up at all. Captain Marcus, I thought you were skippering the Resolute. I am. Came down to IO home base because I have a special mission for Able Squad. If you're up to it. Why Able Squad? Despite our past differences, Lieutenant, I appreciate your skills as a pilot and a leader. This job requires your special abilities. Well, so they, they get there after some sweet flying through canyons in which Marcella kind of has some flashbacks. Um, we can talk about those in a minute. They get there and it turns out this facility is not a weapons facility. It's a like a brooding facility where they're going to make more Neo Sapiens. And um, they realize... Well, they're going to make enough Neo Sapiens that they can basically eliminate humans for good. Basically, that right. they're making not Alpha Neo Sapiens, but beta or i guess charlie neo sapiens to do all the menial work more stentors they're making more announcers more um hostesses more like kathy griffins and you know people to fill in the ranks a little bit yeah 
There's going to be a bunch of the chew. <laughs> it's, going to, it's going to be all the programming. It's going to be Neo-Sapien uh, food-based tacos. <laughs> exactly. Neo-Sapien. What did you eat today? I don't. USA okay. Network. Neo-Sapien's welcome. They get there and they kind of meet some resistance and there's some there's some shooting that goes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they end up destroying it. Yeah. And um, when it's time to go, their ride is gone. Captain Marcus, they all made it. They're heading for the surface. Good. Return here to the repair base and wait for my instructions. But, sir... Lieutenant, do as I say! And keep your mouth shut. This mission must remain a secret at all costs. Able Squadron to Resolute. Mayday! Do you read? Mayday! Something is very wrong here. I didn't order Able Squad to Mars or anywhere else. I did. Yeah, basically, like, uh... The the guy who's like the lieutenant or commander, whatever he is, I guess he's a lieutenant commander who's in charge of the giant E frame that drops off the little E frames, is called back by Marcus and he's like, You come back now, you hear, and don't tell nobody what you saw. And they you know, he just takes off, you know. He's supposed to be there to pick him up. And they and then at the end, Marcus and Edward Furlong have uh mut- mutinied. Yeah. Um, so, but a lot, but a lot happens in between that we should really kind of, kind of get into. Yeah, for sure. So like, I mean, to begin with, I mean, we talked about it like, you know, very briefly, but kind of set the stage before, I I really want to get to the Marsala, like in his character thing, but I just want to say to touch on, um, the fact that the fleet's in basically dry dock. They're in like Jupiter and in, in IO, which is a moon of Jupiter, yeah. like repairing the fleet and getting exactly out. So it's kind of like, um, I want, when I, I went to a, uh, this this is like the weirdest thing to say. I went to a panel about the nature of zombies in movies and media. And it had like Max Max Brooks and some people on it. And one of the things that they said is someone in the crowd asked him, you know, "Uh, Mr. Brooks, do you prefer fast or slow zombies? And he basically said, I like slow zombies because A, fast zombies are bullshit. And B, the slow zombie really shows that the threat of zombies and the biggest threat of these movies is that it's not really the zombies that kill everyone. It's the people panicking and making the wrong choices that gets themselves killed, you know? So like a situation like this, this is really interesting because the enemy's out there, but you know, how do they deal with not being able to do a thing? Like Takagi talks about like, I want to see some real action and all, you know, they're all itching for a fight, but they're just sitting around welding steel plates, you know? Sure. It's that whole, like, do we deserve to survive thing? Um, and, and these, this problem kind of amplifies, the problems we already have. I want to make one more case for slow zombies. Oh yeah, which is that they represent a sort of nightmarish quality, which is however fast you run, you still can't outrun them. Yeah. Whereas yeah. fast zombies lit- literalize them to the point where, um, the kind of humanizes them too much, and they're they're therefore defeatable. Yeah. Right. All you can all you have to do is outrun them, but a slow zombie you can't outrun, and it's like a terrible dream yeah exactly it's like slow shambling horde through like the fog and like the graveyard from uh the first uh day of the living night of the living dead you know that we rules oh my god so good um so good i also love dawn of the dead but anyway both versions all, all of yeah so yeah so yeah there's this there's this point which they're they're flying through the canyons uh shooting the osapiens and uh Marcella kind of has this flashback where he says, just like 50 years ago. Now 
they won't. Okay, move out to the next canyon. Just like 50 years ago. Marsala, are you all right? Whatever happens, I must remember my vows to the fleet and to others. The last battle. Marsala, I know how it feels to return home under these circumstances. No. Not these circumstances, Lieutenant. To give it a little more context, the thing that exactly happens is uh, there are two of the purple E-frames flying around, and, you know, they're kind of patrolling, and JT shoots, like, a cliffside and buries these guys alive. Like, it doesn't... They don't explode. They don't do anything. They just get buried alive. And Marsala just, like, immediately is just like, you know... I don't know if he's thinking about, you know, in the mines, like, explosions happening and his friends dying buried alive or something like that, but it's a pretty horrible thing when you think about it. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah, and uh, this is the one too where where Nara is like, "Hey, you know, I understand what you're going through," and and Marcel's like, "No, you don't. Like, you have no idea what this is like." Yeah, he's he's he talks about having to like keep his oaths and all that, but I mean, it's kind of interesting, like the nature of like remembering what happened and a sort of the implication of that and going forward how someone like him deals with it. Well, he kind of says Neo Sapiens have a perfect memory, and it's. I, I I was thinking about this a lot, not to get into such esoteric conversation, but um, can you imagine remembering everything perfectly? That would be the worst um, thing ever. That sounds unbearable. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, right? It's like like one of the necessary things about human life is that you have you get to forget. You it's a kind of a privilege sometimes. Like you know that you that you get over trauma. Like if you had to live with all of your trauma every day. You'd go insane. Yeah, no, for real. Could you imagine trying to fall asleep at night if you could remember every single horrible thing that's ever happened to you always? That'd be, like, impossible, you know? Yeah, even if it wasn't, like, even if you weren't thinking about it, it was certainly, you know, you'd be able to recall it precisely. That would be terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to being a Neo-Sapien. <laughs> right. But they don't know how to bluff in poker, too, so it's a complicated thing. Like, Yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't figure out what their flaw is, that their their characters don't change because they're inbred in them. And then they have perfect memories. They don't, they, they, they're weird, fun, strangely creative, not super creative, but kind of, I can't figure out what. I think a lot of that too, like one of the things they kind of hint at is like a lot of that is just prejudice, right? Like Neosapiens are creative and Neosapiens do understand like jokes and stuff. They're just not part of their culture. And like people don't really uh, like ever bother to figure it out. Like, like, as soon as Marcel finds out what bluffing is, he's awesome at it. Like, he kills it. <laughs> right. Like, he gets jokes pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Again, I mean, we talked, I think we mentioned, like, one of the first episodes where it's like, has anyone actually ever talked to a Neo-Sapien? Like, just asked them, like, anything? Because Phaeton, there's a part where, um, you know, they're like, it's a suicide mission. So why, why would anyone come and attack a planet of, like, five million Neo-Sapiens? It is a Terran craft. But why just one? That is suicide. The notion that a lone Terran squad would attack a planet of five million Neo-Sapiens is irrational. Sylph is trying to understand Terrans. That can be fatally irrational. And Phaeton's like, dude, check it out. Humans are crafty. Just, you know, you have to think a little more creatively. You know, he's been around a while. He learned a few things, like... I don't know. I don't think anyone's actually ever asked a Neo-Sapien, like, what their favorite joke is or what movies they like, you know? Yeah. There's yeah. definitely there's definitely a sense of, like, even the people who are not bad, like, the pe- even the people in Able Squad, like, 
don't really understand Neo Sapiens and don't really want to. Like, yeah, no, there's there's a lack of uh, empathy. They take him for granted. They they definitely take Marsala for granted and should understand him more than they do. Yeah, no, they uh, like presumably living with him. You know, well, you know, and, and and like the nurse character and like you know, I'm sure there are a few Neo Sapiens floating around the fleet, but yeah, they just totally you know treat it like they're just there. Yeah. Uh, and then Phaeton has, they have that great line where, uh, where Typhonus is, yeah, we're, we're talking about where Phaeton, or Typhonus is talking about, like, you know, he'd be stupid. And then Phaeton is specifically, like, humans are, humans are dangerous. Like, humans are different. Like, he's really the only guy that seems to, or he's one of the few char- DSAP characters that seem to understand that, like, he doesn't like humans, but he understands that, like, they have potential to be, like, a problematic species. Here's here's a question. Um, they're, they're sent to destroy a weapons facility, but it's not a weapons facility. Um, why, why, why did Marcus lie? Is it just for the, just the whole um, reveal that Marcella realizes he's going to have to destroy millions of potential Neo-Sapiens? Like... So that he finds out in the mission and not beforehand. It's just a, like an interesting thing to to lie about and then send Marcella to go. I, I took it as basically that they just saw a place where trucks were going in and out of and said, hey, let's send them there. Like they didn't do any of the research. They didn't really do anything like, you know, basically they were just. I think it was bad intelligence on Marcus. Yeah, exactly. Like intentionally yeah. bad intelligence. So that able squad would get killed, you know, um, but he forgot they're really good at like doing their job. And they actually pull so it he's, off. You're saying he's setting that he's specifically setting them there to get killed. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but he, but he, call, but he calls, he calls on them because they're so good. Yeah. You guys are the best. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, yeah, he sees, cause he sees JT parking and his talks to Furlong and is like, Hey, I'll see you. I'll catch you later. And he talks to JT. He definitely wants him out of the way for like when the mutiny happens. Like he doesn't want him around because like, he understands that JT is like really good and really loyal to Winfield. Like, yeah, well, he's also, right. but he's, but it's funny because he's he could just send them to space, like, yeah, and to nothing. But he actually does. <laughs> turns out he sends them on a mission. Yeah, that is actually pretty useful. Yeah, right. It, it's it's the Captain Marcus way. You you succeed when you fuck up. It's, I mean, it is one of the things too because JT is definitely the voice of like resistance. You know, he uh, he was the guy that questioned his orders and got the fleet to head back to Earth. You know. So I don't think he wants that. Like he's so loyal that when Takagi gets back on board the ship after helping out Weston for six hours into overtime, someone just shoots at him. Yeah, like, yeah. He's known for being so loyal that like Takagi, the last man on the team, just gets shot at as soon as he walks back. He's like, Hey guys, what's for dinner? What? Everyone on Able <laughs> Squad is immediately opposed to Captain Argus. Like that is just a known fact. Like Right, so so they get shot at right away. He does do an awesome like spinny dance to get out. Like going back to you know check out those moves, Bronski. Check those moves, Bronski. He does some awesome moves to dodge those like that blaster fire. It's pretty sweet. He really does. No, there, there's. I mean, there's probably in retrospect like a more. I don't know. I always think if this was a live action show, which if you're listening, I will gladly make the live action version of this show. Um, yes, but there's sort of like there's sort of a subtly subtle thing where like you can imagine like. Marcus and Furlong are like in a room and they're like, what's, what's the star Wars order? Like oh. execute order 69. And like <laughs> nice. all, the, all the younglings get killed. Like you can see it being more built up, but there's not a lot of uh, subtext or subtlety in animation. I do love that when, when the, when the, uh, when the mutiny actually happens, Winfield is 
he's angry, but he's kind of like a little chill about it. You know, he's like, what's going on here? Don't call it that. It's a mutiny. Oh, well, here I go. See you guys later. What in blazes is going on here, Marcus? What is this? It better not be what it looks like. It's exactly what it looks like, Admiral. I have no choice but to relieve you of command. Relieve? I don't care what you call it, Captain Marcus. It's still mutiny. He's going to take off his headphones. Whitfield is, like, <laughs> never ruffled. He's never in any way, like, like taking a... Like, he's surprised, but he's never, like, flustered. He's like, all right, everyone is mutiny against me? Fine, let's deal with this now. Like, <laughs> Yeah, the I mean, the guy is even, you know, still fighting battles when he's on a in a hospital bed, sweating to death. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I want to also touch on is that in this episode, you have, you know, there's that great moment where, you know, they're standing in the, uh, the brood facility, brooding facility is basically like, you know, the factory where the Joker got turned into the Joker, it's just big vats of stuff. It's that. And Deleon's like, Marsala, tell them or else I will. And he tells him it's a brooding facility. What in blazes is this place? Well, you know, don't you? If you don't tell them, I will. They are vats of the chemical solution used in the Neosapien brood process. There's enough material right here to create billions of Neos. But why? Yeah, I don't get it. They've already got more troops than we do. Who says they're going to be troops? Maybe they're going to be workers. With that many of them, they won't need to keep humans around at all. It really, to me, brings into light the concept of oaths and loyalty and all that stuff. Because Marsala talks about it a couple of times where he's like, you know, I swore a, a pledge to these people and others. You know, so what do you guys think about what? How do you think oaths and loyalty kind of function in this show? Um, I definitely think they do a good job of of showing situations where like oaths and loyalty and stuff are always black and white. Like Marsala swore an oath to the to the Exo fleet. That's going to wind up costing his, like, he's going to have to kill a billion people. He didn't, he, when he signed up for the Exo Squad, he didn't sign up to, like, kill a billion Neosapiens or to be at war with his entire species. Like, he didn't realize that going in. So is he, like, is he still responsible for, like, what happened? And, like, the idea of, like, you didn't sign up for this, right? I think that's an interesting question. Yeah, for real. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's... There's no, probably no good answer, right? Like, I think we sort of talked about this a little bit last time, that characters who are, like, ideologically pure survive, and characters who waffle get killed. Yeah. Um, my, my sort of personal opinion is that, like, wh- whatever the rules are, if there's the rules of society or the rules of whatever it is you're doing, um, that those are important, and you should try to follow them. Um, but not following them is essentially what makes is essentially a human characteristic. Um, and, and, you know, you should be punished for it, but you should get a second chance. You know, like, I just think it's, it's really easy in the abstract and to say that, yes, if you, if you have a loyalty oath, you should follow it a hundred percent blindly, but that's also how, you know, <laughs> tyrants uh, murder people and how fascists take over, right? They make you swear an oath and then you feel somehow obliged to it, or you just, are just super happy to do it. But you know what I mean? Like, like there has to be, you know, so you try your best to do your best. And if you can't, you know, that's part of what it is to be a, a human. Yeah. Like oaths and, and lo- like loyalty oaths and like those kind of like codes are all absolute, right? They, they're, and they're, and they're blanket same as they cover every possible eventuality, but like reality and morality is case by case. 
So like, we do sign an oath to agree to do this no matter what, and then you get to a point where it gets contradicted, like, that's tough, man. That's a hard, that's a hard, uh, well, that's a hard yeah, deal. Yeah, I think, I think the standard, it's important to have the standard, right? It's, 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 I'm not saying have no standards, have no rules, just, you know, free for all. Have the standards, but like, you understand that people aren't going to make, live up to them all the time. Like, if, if in this, bringing back to this, if Marcel had said, I can't do this, you know, it shouldn't be like, oh, you're violating your oath. You're, you know, you're going to be court-martialed. Like, you should have some understanding of what that means. And because it seems within reason, right? He's not unreasonably saying, I won't follow an order. Yeah, no, definitely. And especially, like, it's interesting to contrast a guy like Marsala, who's being basically, you know, forced to kill millions and millions of his brothers, to um, Captain Malchus, who basically for his own personal bloodlust and you know urge for glory kind of goes and takes over the fleet and breaks his oath to his idol you know as we've kind of inferred from the uh their relationship you know so it's interesting to see um kind of the cold logic of a neo sapien looking at this thing and saying look i have to do this i have to do this but also the flaw of being a human who can choose and plotting against someone you admire and you know would do anything for you know, so I think I think that's actually something this episode does super good is uh, that it contrasts those two things really well. You know, yeah, like I think like you know, right and wrong exists, and human beings because they're human beings will do the wrong thing. But Neo Sapiens, being Neo Sapiens, maybe are so are so locked into a certain way of being that they can't do anything other than what they're supposed to do. I, I don't know if the show necessarily presents it that way. I think Marsala certainly struggles with it. But it is sort of, you know, if we were, want to get into, like, not, like, in the conversation, but, like, the show, why are they neo Why aren't they robots, right? They're, yeah, you know, they're people, but they have different characteristics, and that's what the tension is. Uh, you know, I was reading a uh, an interview with uh, with Wilman Yo, and I, I forget where you can find it, but it's some old, uh, like, Penn State, someone interviewed a whole bunch of people from the show kind of thing. You can find it online. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, go knitly knitty lions right that's them anyway yeah yeah um but he started <laughs> yeah I think you put an extra syllable in there yeah the the knee lions then the lions who say knee um the knitting lions. they're just they just have yarn they're playing with it they're knitting the whole time it's really it takes forever um but the guy talked about he he interviewed wilman yo and he was saying that when he was brought onto the show uh, one of the things they were more or less like left alone to do whatever they wanted. And they actually had a lot of these characters kind of written as like archetypes beforehand. So like how Phaeton is and how this person is. So I feel like that's like, it's interesting that they worked a lot of these larger concepts into it, but we're also kind of left alone to be like, Oh, these aren't robots. These are people giant blue, eight foot tall people with like two thumbs. Um, but, you know, they were like, as long as they didn't go too extreme, they were standards and practices, like, left them alone, which I think is kind of amazing considering this. But also, they never, apparently they never were on, like, Saturday mornings after X-Men or something like that. They were they were immediately put into, like, a syndication deal. So they actually had more freedom because they weren't getting as much of a primetime audience, so to speak, you know? Interesting. <laughs> yeah, right? No, um, no, but that's really cool. Like, I'll, I'll, send the, I'll send the link around or post it up. Um... But yeah, I just found that like super interesting because, you know, like having a themed episode on like loyalty and freaking loss and all this stuff is like way heavier than, you know, I mean, I love the X-Men cartoon, which a lot of these guys were involved with. But, you know, those were like PG retellings of 
classic Claremont stories from like the 80s and all. Yeah. Also, like one thing I wanted to touch on real quick was the fact that they do it's a throwaway shot. But when they're heading out for this mission, Marsh has a photo of Noretti that says Alice on it because we finally found out her name. Uh, and he totally he looks at it and like gives it like this kind of goofy ass smile. But that's kind of like an interesting thing because it's really it's a very it's like he's in love with her. And yeah. They, like he knew her first name. Yeah, exactly. What's going on here? Is there more to the story? Yeah, exactly. They're kind of, you know, if you didn't if this was your first episode, you'd just be like. Oh, he, you know, that's his wife or something like that. But they're kind of, because they have that year gap that they were in jail, they're kind of filling it in with these like little things like that, you know, which I think is kind of brilliant, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no, uh, cartoon bias. <laughs> like, like it's a big cast of characters. There's a lot of serious things going on and there's a lot of, I like when they work in the subtleties in you know, in this episode where there's, it's a pretty straightforward episode, but you get little details like that. Yeah, like the uh, Neo Sapien truck driver who gets out and like throws boulders to clear the way and stuff like that. <laughs> Can I say, you know what's awesome? Yeah. Can I point out two awesome things? One is that they escape from the facility in a convertible. <laughs> yes. Um, in like a topless car. Fuck I don't yeah. know if there's, and which has guns on it because everything has guns on it, which I'm a big fan of <laughs> um, in cartoons. And then the other one is uh, Torres's like hand cannon. That like is on her wrist, her forearm. It's the is a badass gun. Oh yeah, it's a badass gun. It's like a machine gun. Like it, it gives it like bullet sounds while everyone just has like blasters. It's like a pipe on her forearm, yeah, which has a spike on the end of it too, which is yeah. awesome. They 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 take some fire in this episode. They're really you know I think this is probably the the most dangerous mission when they're invading Mars. Basically, they get messed up. You know, my favorite thing was uh, Torres is like, "Oh man, my stabilizer's all messed up," and Delion's like, "Don't worry, I've got you covered," and immediately gets shot. Torres, report. Two hits, damage moderate, stabilizer control sticking, going in for a hard landing. I'll cover you, Sarge. Perhaps not. <laughs> I thought that was like so awesome. <laughs> Don't worry, I've got you covered, baby. Mm. All right, Dalyon. Yeah, he, he's putting the moves on Maggie pretty hard. Yeah, the, I, uh, that, I yeah. love his. I love his game too. He's like gentilize the head of woman. He's like, I say that to all the officers. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. JT, your ass looks great today. Like <laughs> that green jumpsuit <laughs> looks fabulous. <laughs> Dalyon's in space to do two things, and he's all out of killing. <laughs> there is a great there's a, can we talk about uh the bronski uh, e-frame stuff for a minute for a minute how drunk he is flying yeah. to the canyon he's literally getting out of breath like testing out his e-frame when they're in the dock check everything then check it again we're not getting any second chances on this run <laughs> nothing like a little e-frame action to work up an appetite <laughs> Yeah, he can't do more than, like, 20 seconds of exertion, like, at all. Yeah, he also, he blows up a Y-Wing and just, like, keeps firing. And he's like, yeah, just to make sure. And it's like, he just kills and eats. He's, like, the opposite of Dalion. We should do a, a chart of, like, their wants. And, like, you know, Bronski, murder and eat, Dalion. Murder and make it babe. Life and death. <laughs> Alec Dalion, making life and taking life. That's what I'm about. <laughs> <laughs> living on the edge of that mortal coil oh man yeah it's his inherent frenchness i do really love when he's when he looks at marcella and goes if you don't tell him i will like he's always ready to like do the do what needs to be done even if it like doesn't really need to be done that's kind of mean too like he could just tell them yeah <laughs> you know 
Instead, he's just like, tell tell them. Yeah, Delion has no chill, as the kids say. No chill. You know? I remember, like, as a kid, he was one of my favorite characters, kind of because he was, like, the military guy. You know, he's the guy who plants, like, the satchel charge, though not in this episode, weirdly. Um, Like a 1940s commando. And looking back at it as an adult, I'm like, wow, this guy's a horrible human being in a lot of ways. Like, he's cruel. He wants to murder anything that's, like, not vital. I think it was him who had the line in the episode where they're being shot into the sun, where he's just like, well, I never thought it would end like this. And I just love like, the subtext of that being like, you never thought you'd be shot into the sun. Yeah, he's like, I did not read that right. Like, Yeah. He's definitely the least compassionate of all of them. He's, all, he's always all business. Like. But in a different way than Torres. You know, Torres is about procedure and making sure everything is right. And he's just, you know, the dark side of it. Get it done, yeah. Exo Squad will be back in a moment. Hey everybody, it's Chris here. I just want to jump in and say thanks again for listening. It's been super awesome hearing from some of you. If you have any questions or things you want discussed on that end of season one episode, let us know and we will uh, get to it. You can find us on Twitter at ExosquadGoals or use the hashtag ExosquadGoals or reach out to us on email. You can find us at ExosquadGoals on gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and uh, like, rate, review. And the next episode is episode 11, The Brood, and it'll come out on Saturday as always. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Now back to Exo Squad. Do you guys, uh, do you guys have, uh, what do they call those things? Uh, uh MVPs. Oh, solid. I, I, I don't know. I was, th- I think, uh, the way Weston, uh, <laughs> does not take Dillion's advances makes her my MVP. She shuts <laughs> him down pretty hard and I respect that. Yeah, no, for real. She's all about, uh, welding and, I don't know what rhymes with welding. She, she works six hours longer than her shift because she just loves to weld. Yeah. You know, they could have been like, uh, I hear you do it all night long. And she's like, yeah, weld. But... Also, oh, oh, one <laughs> of on, the few not, did, not even one... a pity laugh. <laughs> Come on. I was no, laughing. No. Come on. Jesus. Weld, welding. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> Whatever. Who, who you got, Ryan? <laughs> uh, I'm going to shout out Captain Furlong. Um, just because, like, I really respect his intensity. Like, for the second he gets on the screen, he is just chewing scenery, like, from, <laughs> from the jump. He's like, oh, hey, nice day out there. Uh, get my cup of coffee. Hey, so Winfield's a dick, right? Like, <laughs> like kicks it off. Like, like sitting, he's, like, sitting around the break room being like, oh, dude, you watched that game last night? By the way, we should mutiny. This whole thing's bullshit. <laughs> he's like the, you know when you make like your first friend like at a new job or something yeah but it's the it's the guy that the the guy that hates the job but everyone else likes it you know <laughs> yeah he's like and you're like you're like working here is bullshit and you're like eh, no it's not bad but you skewed my view yeah he's <laughs> like no this place sucks you're like no it's actually not that bad like no it really sucks like yeah yeah no seriously then you find out he's a racist and it gets really weird yeah uh, for my mvp I mean, okay, sub-MVP is that truck driver, because I just love little things that they do like that, where you just see, like, a normal person just doing stuff in this world. So good. Where he's just like, oh, it's like, oh, shit, another avalanche. Well, I guess I'll just get out and throw these giant boulders with my superhuman strength. Um, but I gotta give, I gotta give it to my man, Captain Malkith, because he is a man of action. He does not wait around for the other ships in the fleet. He does not wait around for retrofitting. He just wants to go fight like a southern fighting gentleman. So I gotta give it to him, because, I mean, 
yeah, it's just everything Captain Marcus. Again, he's just fucking up so hugely without even realizing it. Um, so, yeah, that's my man right there. Yeah, man, dude, that's awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, let's see. Do we have any uh, any advertising we want to do for a certain uh, a certain a certain thing? I, I want to continue, people. Until you buy something, I'm going to continue to plug two loopy ladies on Etsy, <laughs> crocheted hats, crocheted scarves. Buy them, and I will stop it. No, I'll no, we're not going to stop. Saying. Fuck that. Yeah, we're not going to stop. But you got to buy the shit. Yeah, you chose it's to listen good. to the podcast. Really you listen no. to the ads we pick. Like it's, it, you can make your own Exo Squad podcast with your with your fucking crocheted ads. Go for it. <laughs> but go there. The stuff's really good. You will not be disappointed. Yeah. Did you ever want to have like wear Marsala's head as a hat? You can do that. Just get a blue crocheted hat. That's the yeah. same thing. Just get a little uh, magic marker. Draw some tattoos. You're wearing yeah. his head. They That's will def- really creepy. They- they will definitely do ExoSquad theme work as long as you tell them what ExoSquad is. So, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Squarespace if you need to build a website. <laughs> yeah, this is brought to you by <laughs> promotional consideration for ExoSquad. A lot of goals comes from Squarespace. What if we What if we just started advertising? People would be like, "Hey, we're advertising your podcast. Can you give us some money?" Uh, <laughs> shout out to Casper Mattress. Uh, I'm getting my uh, my loot crate <laughs> and my uh, my blue apron delivered. <laughs> Uh, also, shout out to Levi's size 36, 30 jeans, uh, 515s. Dude, that's my size. Hell oh, yeah. shit. We're jean twins. Damn these short legs. Uh, best friends forever. Best jean friends ever. <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, partly I just want to do ads because I like using that cheesy music. Um, but. Well, and- what do you want? What do you want to advertise? Tape? Yeah. Hey, do you have something that's broken and need to stick it together? Tape. <laughs> Staples. Don't listen to those suckers at the glue lobby. They just want to sell you a noxious chemical. Use tape. Don't trust big glue. Do you have two pieces of paper that you need binded somehow? Staples. <laughs> I uh, I want to shout out that YouTube video where the kid plays drum the pull the whole Miami Vice drum solo on different drums. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? Let's uh, let's do that. I'm gonna make I'm gonna do it in this episode. I don't know if it's gonna continue. What's something awesome? What's something awesome you guys have seen this week to make people happier? Oh, great question. Well, I mean, you, you just said the uh, Miami Vice, so you're shit out of luck, Ryan. I'm sorry. Sorry. All right, fine. <laughs> sorry. What are you going to say, Chris? You want me to tell you something? You know what I, I saw today? Independence Day Resurgence? Oh, yeah. Not awesome. Yeah, no, not. Yeah. Um, How did you ruin this already, man? I said awesome. That's not awesome. But I just want to, I just, I just need to talk about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me no, say- I don't. I don't need to talk about it. I'll just say this: the whole movie would not exist without bureaucracy and weapon systems taking fifteen seconds to shoot anything. Yeah. Should we shoot the missiles? Yes. In ten, nine. Oh, the aliens <laughs> destroy those things. Can I? Can I say during that whole movie? Um, I watched it with my wife. My wife and I. Uh, I kept going, ha ha, woo, because there's no Will Smith in it, and I just I was missing it, right? And there is a point where they blow something up and they go, woo, ha ha. And I was like, fuck yeah, got it. Um, but I will say my awesome thing for the week 
is that video of I think it's like Chad goes deep or something like that, huh? and it's this surfer dude. It's a surfer dude petitioning the city council board of San Clemente, California, to erect a uh, what's his name, Paul Walker statue. Oh yeah, yeah. that's just, fucking awesome. And I just love it, um, especially knowing if you know SoCal, it's just great. It's just perfect, especially the council's response to it. Oh, that's so good. I uh. It's like that really awesome Onion article. It's like, guy with Oakley's uh, on back of head probably still mourning Paul Walker's death. <laughs> For real. And if you like Paul Walker, check out Tammy and the T-Rex, a classic Paul Walker joint. Um, to wrap it up, I would like to thank Eric Calderon for our intro and outro music. He shreds. Check him out on YouTube. I'm sure you have. His stuff is great. Do it. I would also like to say, follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, one of the other... Does, you don't have to do all of them. I mean, just choose the one that's appropriate to you and like, just go with it. Yeah, exactly. And and please share share the podcast amongst your friends. Uh, share with your parents to let them know what you were doing when you were a kid. Yeah, exactly. Um, just say, hey, this was my life when I when you were at work. Or just, just say that you had a part in making this and they will be proud of you, I hope. Um, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll back like, you up. We'll be like, yeah, you were in there. Yeah, I'll be like, hey, Billy, you know... Uh, Man, the way you just you found that sound effect and that sound bite, ah, oh, good job, man, good job. I really appreciate it. I just want to say thank you for everybody for listening and for your support, and it gives us such uh, tremendous egos anytime someone emails or writes. So we've had three really solid bursts of <laughs> happiness, but it makes our day. It really makes our day to hear from you guys. So yeah, definitely. And if you guys hit us ha- up, definitely. And also on the website, we now have a have comments for the episode so below the episode you can leave a comment about a thought or a question or anything something you think we really missed probably a lot but we'll get there um also hit us up on twitter at exosquad goals hashtag exosquad goals and we'll hit you back ryan has been doing a great job with that much improved much much improved um thanks thanks boss <laughs> email us at exosquad goals at gmail.com share like review we always love seeing what you guys think of the show we got we I will say we got one four star review, so whoever you are, you're fucking dead. Why why would you leave a four star review? Like, just go whole hog and be like, this show sucks not one star. Like, don't give an <laughs> don't give a don't give a lukewarm review. Own it. Yeah, this show this show's really good. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> it's like it's like a B plus podcast. It's better than average, but not enough for me to mention it. But still I'm here. Like you know, you know what a four star review is. My senior year, I wrote a an independent study in two days in the library, drinking, and it was like I wrote like sixty five pages in two days. To be fair, our library had a tremendous bar. Oh yeah, it was the best. awesome. Um, and so I wrote the whole thing, and I got it back, and I got a B plus on it. And I was like, no one read this. No one read it at all. And sure enough, I flip through it. I find typos and all. I'm like, my advisor read the first page and a half. That's what a four-star review is, you know? Call out the typos. Leave us a written review. Because at least then we could be like, hey, we can improve. But anyway, now that we got that off our chest. But yeah, again, seriously, though, thanks so much for listening. It's a blast just, you know, talking about this thing. And uh, yeah, so for Exo Squad Goals, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Valentino. Are there any heroes in this company? No, sir. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs>
we did so what good happened? for so everything, long everything everything got uh, screwy on my end i didn't hear anything oh sorry sorry i was just saying are there any heroes in this company no sir no sir nope nope, nope. we're, we're <laughs> closer i think yeah there aren't no sir but don't be smoke <laughs> that's captain marcus's favorite joint right there Let's get into it. Let's get on the show. Okay. So, I'm worried we, just, we won't talk about it again. <laughs> once we, we'll just talk about it now, and then we'll get there and be like, oh, let's talk about the things. No, no, don't worry. If there's, I always try to throw something we missed at the end of the episode. Usually it's just us bullshitting about something that made no sense in context. Do it.